Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode from the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 8, Episode 28, Skin Deep. Mary, what happened this week? Just a heads up that this episode contains discussions surrounding self-harm, body image, and restrictive eating behaviors. Please continue at your discretion. We'd rather you be safe than consume this content. Brandon covers the protested opening of a sex shop for the beat, which is convenient because he and Steve also need party favors for Muntz's bachelor party, which Steve can totally trade ad space for. Kelly is mad about sex shops, bachelor parties with live entertainment, and a magazine she found in Brandon's room. She insists that all of that stuff feeds the male fantasy, which causes 40-something moms to get facelifts and seven-year-old sisters to watch their weight. Learning more about Hippie Ray's Janet's views on sex and all its committed and non-committed varieties, Steve is sure they should bang about it. Too bad he blew their date at the reunion, huh? David assumes Val is bored with their sex life based on an article he assumes she read. So he goes off to purchase various toys to introduce into the bedroom without a single conversation about it beforehand. Valerie, while confused at first, matches this energy only for David to feel the way she felt when he randomly started slathering oyster oil on her back. (laughs) Donna finds out that Monica, the stylist she hired for her fashion catalog, uses self-harm as a coping mechanism in high-stress situations. She decides to confront Monica, not privately, mid-workday, to tell her to seek help. Also, you should totally ask out Joe the photographer. Photo Joe, if you will. He's totally not going to invite the model he's photographing. Whoa. (laughs) Photographing. (laughs) Photographing. That's the way you say that, by the way. Photo Joe says it that way. (laughs) You know what? I bet he does. (laughs) He's totally not going to invite the model he's photographing to the same event right in front of her later. After some reflection, Donna decides to reshoot the catalog with models that don't perpetuate an idealized image of beauty. It's fine. Noah's going to pay for it. I didn't even think about the fact that Noah spent, like, the only time he's in this episode, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm really excited about this. It's going to cost a fortune, but don't worry about it. I've got the money. And she's like, that's good to hear. (laughs) Thank you. Blank check for Donna Martin. (laughs) I mean, truly, Noah does very little in this episode, if I remember correctly. He didn't even go to the sex shop. Exactly. And you would think, like... He, I don't know, there's something about him and his relationship with money that I don't, that worries me. Like, he's going to go bankrupt, or he's going to be told he's bankrupt, or something at some point. And if it's not a plot point, it should be. Are you, are you suggesting that his long-lost baby sister is going to show up one day with her mother and swindle him? Yeah, and they're going to go, like, have code names or something like Big Mustache and, and Curly Hair or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I would love so much if this happened and Val was just like, oh my god, every rich guy I date. <laughs> right? It's not even the Nigerian prince scandal. Like, I know. It's not even fishing yet. We haven't even gotten to fishing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But okay. We have to jump right into this because this episode makes so little sense to me and I just like, I need help here. Mm-hmm. So months comes back to announce that he's getting married. Haven't seen him in how long? Like an entire season, right? Yep. But he comes to tell Brandon and Steve, and Brandon and Steve are like, oh, we have to throw you a bachelor party. And he's like, I love Julie. She doesn't want that. I don't think I'm going to do it. 
and then they force him into it. And then Kelly comes in with a playpen magazine, not playboy, playpen, and just starts giving Brandon grief about a sex magazine right in front of Muntz, who's about to get married, and is like, I don't want a bachelor party. Like, yeah. We're just. And instead of like, it is weird. And and like, instead of, well, the thing is, it's like, I don't actually know what's true or not, because I was about to say, instead of telling the truth, Brandon just says it's research because the new sex shop is opening in Beverly Hills. It's the first one in Beverly Hills, which surprises me, by the way. No, it's not. It's the first one you've seen. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And she... So I don't know if it's true, if it's research, which how could that be research for an, a grand opening of a store? I don't know. And if it is research, that's fine. But regardless, Kelly doesn't believe him. And so instead of having an open communication about it or saying, can I talk to you privately? Brandon assumes he's, quote unquote, in trouble, which I hate the connotation hate around it. that. And then she's like, no, but I feel weird that I found it. So for me, if this were a healthy relationship, that would trigger an alarm bell in my head to be like, oh, okay, let's talk about this a little bit more. Why Mm -hmm. do you feel weird about it? I'm sorry that I caused you to feel weird about it. Let's talk this out. And instead it's like Brandon goes classic Brandon and is like, let me talk to you about the pros and cons of this store opening and let me argue with you right in front of everybody and let's have a debate in front of everybody. Yeah, this, like, this episode, Brandon and Kelly, and I feel like this is just keeps happening, but they're doing the worst romance trope of miscommunication, yeah. where you're just like, something is bothering me, and rather than actually have a grown-up conversation with you, I'm going to try and start a fight in front of all of our friends. Mm-hmm. And make everybody else uncomfortable, too. So uncomfortable. And then, <laughs> speaking of uncomfortable... The other scene in the opening credits is at this SBG modeling agency or modeling warehouse. I don't know. And it's the shoot for all of Donna's clothes, Donna Martin fashion or whatever. And like she is so stressed out. They're talking about how like there's only a certain number of clothes she brought to the shoot. And if anything gets dirty, she's so screwed. And this is her whole livelihood that Noah's funding. Noah is just like breezy and he's like yeah this catalog's gonna cost us a fortune but like look how amazing it is Mm -hmm. but there is this assistant monica who is trying to help presumably she's just been hired for the shoot or she came from the agency i'm not really sure but donna snaps at her like totally chews her head off noah calls her out on it and she realizes and then there's this awful scene three minutes into the episode, no warning whatsoever. We're diving right into this where Monica goes into a bathroom and proceeds to inflict self-harm on herself while Donna's on the other side of the door. And then it just cuts to credits. Yeah. It's like she comes out real quick and Donna apologizes. Or actually, no, sorry. She doesn't come out of the bathroom. Donna apologizes to her through the bathroom, has a Mm -hmm. weird crinkle in her eyebrow, but like, whatever and then there's like she's like none the wiser like it's just it goes to 11 so fast and I like you said I wasn't prepared for it there was no warning and yeah then we get credits I'm like wow what a way to open an episode I know and that was what shocked me is like 
you know, Mary had texted us to give us this heads up because she watched the episode before we did, but I was not expecting pre-opening credits. Like, Same. I just wasn't ready for it. And then when it cuts to like, da-na-na-na, I was like, I need a minute. Yeah, exactly. And like, because usually with this kind of stuff, we get a little bit more establishment of who the person is before we get the reveal of what's going on with them. I mean, I'm thinking specifically about um, Chris, who has the, who that Kelly was working with, with, you know, having Mm -hmm. a developmental um, challenge. You know, I'm thinking about like even David with his mom, like kind of learning more about David's mom before we go into what actually is going on with her things like that so yeah it was just a little jarring and then especially like you expect something like that to immediately come back right after the opening credits but instead we have to set up everything else which makes it even more disjointed and therefore we go to the Beverly Beat where like phones are ringing off the hook because one person is not in the office and Brandon and Steve just cannot handle anything which okay So they're taking all of these calls for ad space and it looks like a fax machine is going crazy. Like they're getting all of these offers. Weren't they about to shut down like two, three episodes ago? Yeah, exactly. So I don't understand how they're fielding or potentially fielding so many different calls when they were literally like, wasn't Steve almost not literally, but like kind of going door to door trying to get ad space filled and willing to do whatever it took to get that ad space filled? Mm -hmm. And now he's giving it away for free for a 20% discount. Exactly. Which, by the way, that 20% is on his personal purchases and not on the business purchases. So, like, you're not getting away with this. You can't actually claim anything here. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, Steve mentions that he's been sending Janet on all these ridiculous uh, errands. Like, at some point later, she comes in and she's like, yeah, I just went to the grocery store for coffee instead of down to Santa Monica like you wanted me to. Like, God, I love her. Janet's great, and- man. Like, when she says that and she's like, I wasn't going to get your special beans. And then she goes, she drops the mic and goes, your taste buds aren't that highly evolved, so you'll never know the difference. And God, Janet is like the still snappy snarky version of Val who's like probably a better person <laughs> like there's no scheming here with Janet there's just truth <laughs> I mean so we haven't actually met Janet's parents I feel like if that ever right. came up it would be like bad hippies but she says later she's like my parents were hippies I was taught just like be chill mm-hmm. like man if that is what everyone else in this friend group had been taught we would be doing so much differently I know. And even like on that point, like they pivot to kind of talking about the bachelor party and Janet's now in the background again. And she just makes a comment about the sex shop thing. And of course, like because she's open about it and she's like, there's no problem with it opening. Like, I don't have an issue with it. La la la. Of course, that makes Steve interested because like the only way he can possibly be interested in her is if she has no qualms about, you know, a healthy sex life, you know, like whatever it can't possibly be about her personality or anything that she brings to the table I I literally have become anytime Steve gets on the screen these days I'm so disinterested and I just want him gone I was so mad that like I'm just gonna go ahead and spoil it because I can't not talk about it when he shows up later and he brings her a coffee and a bagel 
he should have ended it there. He should have just brought yeah. her those things and been like, we really appreciate you here and thank you for your hard work. Instead, yep. he asks her out on a date because he has an ulterior motive and he thinks one cranberry bagel is going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, one time. And I love, I love how many people remind him like, dude, you dumped her. Of I know. course she's not going to go for this. Exactly. Like I think three different people end up being like, dude, like you got to do more. Like, you, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then we get a few more setups. Val is, you know, reading a magazine. She wants to check her horoscope, and she starts telling David she wants to go on a vacation, spend more time together, go hiking, and David's totally into it. But then he picks up the magazine, looks at the opposite page of the horoscopes, and thinks she's reading How to Spice Up Your Love Life or something like that. Yeah, and it was so funny because at the very beginning, before David got to the magazine, I was like, why do I still love them? Like, they're so cute. Like, you know, Val's like, I want to get away for a couple of days. And David's like, yeah, this sounds great. Like, it's it's just, it's breezy. And it's chill. It's nice. should have known. <laughs> I know. Because, like, yeah, he's saying they can go during the week because he's got flexibility with his job and he knows she's busy on the weekends. Literally, all he has to do is – look at this magazine and be like, oh, what are you reading? That's it. Because she would immediately yep. say, my horoscope for the month. Yep, exactly. Which I have to ask you guys a question later on about that horoscope, but we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, I'm going to leave that one up to Mary because I did not Google <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> and then, but we get another scene where Kelly is having lunch with Jackie and Aaron, which is the first time we've seen Aaron all season. I think it might be the first time we've seen Jackie too. It might be, yeah. And I got so excited. I was like, Jackie, Aaron, yes. And yeah, yeah this is it. Again. This is the only scene. Yep. And, and like Jackie's talking about wanting to get a facelift because she's now, I guess, over 40. And that's apparently what you do when you're over 40. And I did think it was funny when Kelly's like, are you serious? And Jackie's like, this is Beverly Hills. We never joke about plastic surgery. And I loved it. And then, of course, Kelly's opposed because I think mm -hmm. she just has to be opposed to every argument this week. And I'm like, didn't you literally have a nose job at 16? Well, and this is the thing is she feels so self-righteous about things she knows nothing about. She's not 40. She doesn't know what her mom feels like in all of this. Like, she just inserts herself. And you're right. I forgot about the nose job. Yeah. Like, she literally got a nose job as a birthday present in high school and I'm like I was like everybody forgot everybody forgot yeah. about this I think that was maybe the first episode right because she pulls yeah. into the parking lot and Steve comments on it exactly so I'm like okay clearly we have shifted into writers that were not around all the time and mm -hmm. like I can forgive this because I'm like they just forgot they just forgot yeah there's bigger things that would bother me than mm -hmm. this if only because this doesn't even turn into anything Exactly. If this turned into a story, totally different. Exactly. Yeah, because they finish their salads, which is also like I, – Erin, I think they say is seven or eight at some point. I think they say seven. And she's just sitting there eating a green salad with light dressing with her mom and her sister. Like that would never have happened. She's eating chicken nuggets or something. Right, mac and cheese, like something. Yeah, but – she asks for frozen yogurt for dessert because it's low fat and she knows the calorie count in a serving. And Kelly is just like, I'm sorry, what? 
And Jackie's just back there scooping the dessert. Not mm-hmm. a care in the world. And this is where I was like, okay, Kelly's on the right side here. Because mm-hmm. even Kelly was like, I just bought Rocky Road ice cream because I know it's your favorite. Like, let's yeah. eat this together, which I was like, that's healthy. Like, That's like, how literally. you do it. Yes. And Aaron literally says she doesn't want to be a blob. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. This is literally what Jackie taught Kelly when she was her age. So I'm like, okay, yes. Jackie hasn't learned, which is way off character and so this whole scene I'm like let's take this scene and throw it out yeah if it's never gonna come back there's no point to have it here and that bothered me so it was like okay we're gonna turn this into you know between what's going on with Donna and Monica at work and then you got Kelly and Jackie and then you've got the boys dealing with the you know controversy of the sex shop we're good we're done that's all we need and then they were like Mm -hmm. just kidding No. Yeah. Jackie's here for five seconds for no reason. Exactly. Just to give us a quote. Well, and and the quote, and then, like, the next scene when Brandon and Kelly went to go see a a movie, Kelly's been thinking about this the whole time, and Mm -hmm. she thinks, like, that combined with the the magazine that she found of Brandon's, she now is like, well, they want to fulfill this, like, unrealistic male fantasy, and you know, kind of brought out her own insecurities around her. Like, is she enough? Is she what Brandon wants? Is Brandon looking around? If my little sister who's seven years old can start thinking like this, you know, what hope is there for anybody? And so I'm like, I see how that can be a means to an end. So another reason why I'm like, I'm throwing that scene out because all Mm -hmm. it was, was a way to get to this point and kind of bolster that point a little bit further, which is fine. Mm Mm-hmm. As long as it doesn't continue later, because then I will be mad. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's just – this whole thing with Kelly and Brandon, the way they talk to each other every single scene, it sounds like Kelly is so close to actually saying the thing that's bothering her, but she doesn't. And then, you know, Brandon always feels like he has to protect himself. Like when Kelly says that she's concerned that everyone's trying to fulfill the male fantasy, he's like – well, wait, I, I hear you and Donna talk about Brad Pitt all the time. Like, how is this not the same thing to men as well? Like, why are you just limiting it here? But she's just like, no, you're going to get old and distinguished and I'm just going to get old. And you have to promise you're still going to love me, which relatable. Yeah. But yeah, it's just weird that they've thrown so much in just to get to Kelly got distracted during a romantic movie. And Brandon being mad that she got distracted instead of yeah. like trying to understand why she got distracted. Mm -hmm. And then we cut back to the modeling agency where Monica is trying to clean up. Donna's being so much nicer to her and like sees her looking at uh, photo Joe, I think his name is. (laughs) And it's like, oh my gosh, totally invite him to reggae night on Thursday at the pee pad, which sounds terrible. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I'm not interested. But, you know, whatever. She tells him, he says sounds like a plan and then walks away. So, like, I wrote, and it works, question mark, because it doesn't sound like it works. Like, he didn't even say, like, hey, Monica, thanks. I'll see you there or right. nothing. Just like, oh, cool. And Monica never actually says, do you want to go with me? She's just right. like, hey, did you know that reggae night is on Thursdays? 
but whatever. Photo Joe has like two lines in this entire episode. Anyway, Monica gets some blood on the dress and it turns into this whole thing where Donna is really pushy. Like Mm -hmm. she is invading personal space. She is pushing up Monica's sleeve and just like grabbing at her. And it all turns into Donna just repeatedly inserting herself. She's like, oh, no, that's just a cat that's been scratching me. And Donna's like, well, you should go to the doctor for infection. You should get the cat declawed, which is like fully mutilation, Donna. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think the only thing I want to say is like Donna's being incredibly invasive, Mm -hmm. incredibly like inserting her opinion where it's not wanted and not picking up any signs that like Monica is trying to avoid this conversation and move on. So clearly she does not feel comfortable talking to you in public around other people about something that is clearly a personal thing. And when she says, these are cat scratches, I have a kitten, leave it. You can still have your own thoughts later. But if you really feel like something, somebody is in danger, you don't do this in public. You wait until there's a more appropriate time and gently talk to that person, not insert yourself, not be very brash and like kind of aggressive about it. And I understand what they were doing. They were trying to portray the seriousness around the issue, mm-hmm. it, but they just went about it in such a wrong way that like that doesn't help this situation and that doesn't help future yeah. situations. Yeah, it's one of those ones this very quickly turned into one of those St. Donna episodes where Mm -hmm. she's, you know, helping a single mom when she doesn't understand anything about single motherhood or anything. And she's trying Mm -hmm. to help this girl who she maybe even just met today. Like, it's good intentions, but Donna doesn't know how to handle this and she doesn't have the experience and she just keeps going headfirst. And it upsets me that every time – People end up thanking her. Yeah, exactly. So I agree. Yeah. It just. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the whole Brandon Golden Boy stuff where it's like stuff just magically work out, works out or Steve feeling upward. Like. Yeah. Yeah. There's no consequence. Like Monica doesn't just leave and is like, no, I don't have to deal with you. Like. Right. Not that I want that for her, but whatever. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we have to go back to Kelly where she will not let go of this magazine. And it's just bizarre to me that, like, she finds this magazine and she's like, oh, well, it starts with a magazine and these small fantasies and that it ends up in sex clubs. Like, (laughs) she's talking about how a porn magazine is a gateway porn to all this other stuff. Like, that's just not really how it works. I mean, maybe it is, but... It's a weird thing to just assume that that's what's happening to your boyfriend that you've known for eight years. Yeah, I mean, and it's clearly a spiral. It's clearly a yes. fear of hers, right? And I think Brandon probably said the worst thing he possibly could have said um, by saying he still has the magazine no longer because it's research, but because it's a guy thing. Well... It's just wild because, yeah, he's like, I got it when we get broken up. It's a guy thing. And she's like, I don't like it. So he immediately throws it away. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and then it's like, well, you know, I could go buy another one. 
My God, Brandon. (laughs) My favorite part is that he can't let it go. Like, obviously she's spiraling and this is not the conversation they should be having, but he also can't let it go because, yeah, he's like, I can just buy another one. And Mm -hmm. she says, well, that makes me feel better, you know, all sarcastically. And he's like, well, it has nothing to do with you. And I think that's the point that should have been made is like none yes. of this is it has anything to do with his love, attraction, et cetera, et cetera, for Kelly. This is just something he's interested in. And again, that's fine. But there is a sort of – there's just so much it, – it's so much more complex than just a magazine and a, mm-hmm. a an idea that this has nothing to do with Kelly. And – because they both are not good at communicating with each other, the point is never actually gotten to. Like I always think about when their arguments happen between people and in, in, in my own life, what my dad always says, he's like, are you making a point or are you making a difference? And in this episode and, you know, a lot of episodes that happen in the show, the characters are trying to make a point, not trying to actually figure out what's going on. Like even in the David and Val stuff, it actually eventually gets to, are you making a difference? And working out, which is great. And even in this one, when we get a resolution, I don't think we ever get to the actual difference in the argument. It's still point, 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 point. And I think think it's on purpose. I think think they're doing this for a reason. Mm -hmm. But I'm just like, my God, these two cannot, like, to your point, let let anything go. And they always have to have the last word. I literally it's the last word because he's like, it has nothing to do with you. And she says, well, I don't see it that way and rolls over to go to sleep. Like she had to make sure that she got that last piece in. Yep. And then we cut to the next morning where there's an actual protest outside the sex shop. Like people have signs, they're picketing and Brandon goes to talk to one woman and she's like, well, my daughter goes to school three blocks away. Who's going to protect her from the people in the store? And, I mean, that's just wild to me that she's like, oh, there are going to be criminals in this store that are going to come three blocks to a school for my – like, okay. and But that's literally all she says. And then Brandon goes inside. And, the okay, so the sex shop owner, he then goes to interview this guy. I don't remember his name. Did not write it down. But – the guy says he isn't selling anything obscene, so he's got no problem. What does that mean necessarily? Because he's blowing up a sex doll and, like, <laughs> they buy a lot of stuff. Like, none of it feels obscene, but, like, what? No. what is the obscene? How far does he think he has to go here to hit obscene? Well, and I think that's where it becomes subjective, right? Like, mm-hmm. one person's obscene is another person's, like, totally fine, right? And yeah. There are definitions in law, technically, and I don't, I'm trying to rack my brain to remember exactly what I'm talking about, but there's like a literal like definition between obscene and um, just unethical or like, or or immoral or something. It's like, they're two words, the way that they're defined, one is like a subjective way and then one's an objective way. And I just Mm -hmm. can't remember exactly what it is. I just remember this in, in constitution law and, um or in uh not constitution communication law in college there's like literally the difference it's kind of like what you're allowed to write about in articles that are factual versus like opinion and 
again, what you can write in an, in an opinion piece versus like an actual, this is an article retelling facts. Anyway, such a long way to say, I think they both have points. But I also have a very 2023 idea of, of my thoughts around this because, you know, the whole like, the children need to be protected. I'm like, okay, I'm going to like not comment on that <laughs> because yeah. I've got 2023 views. But the store owner, I'm like, I, I have problems around people's interpretations with the First Amendment. So mm-hmm. it's like I sort of agree with him, but then I'm sort of like, yeah. But so I don't fully have full thoughts around it, just more or less like I get it. I just don't fully I'm not fully there. Mm-hmm. Well, but I think you make a really good point because Brandon, most of the time that we see these kinds of articles that Brandon's writing, they are editorial pieces like they are mm-hmm. clearly supposed to be opinion letters that he's writing as the editor of the Beverly Beat. So I think it's very interesting that he is getting both sides of the story, but then releasing it as an editorial mm-hmm. rather than being like, well, I can say, you know, factually or not, whether this man is doing anything wrong. Like, I think that's a very yeah. interesting point. Well, and I still think too, like Brandon's question was about selling things that objectify women. Mm-hmm. And there's never actually any, I guess, quote unquote proof of any of the objects or any of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Any of the products in the store. Mm -hmm. There's no proof that any of those objects, products, I keep saying objects, products actually objectify women. Yeah. I mean, frankly, I think aside from buying the gifts for the bachelor party, every other discussion about going to this place is about doing things together as a couple whether or not you tell the other half of the couple you're buying edible (laughs) underwear yeah (laughs) a different story exactly I think that's kind of my point is like Brandon was kind of asking the wrong question you know I think he's what he probably meant was the obscenity stuff which is where they got to um Mm -hmm. but I think again it was like he had Kelly's words in his mind and so he's trying to get somebody else to tell him that they agree with Brandon not Kelly so yeah yeah I mean we we do have to keep like jumping back and forth around here because they're doing all this stuff in the sex shop but then in an amazing like left turn we (laughs) go to the beach apartment where Donna Noah and Kelly are having breakfast and Donna starts telling them about the scratches on Monica's arms and how she said they were from a cat but they were like so much bigger that she's not sure and then kelly remembers you know psych 101 and starts trying to describe to us what exactly the phenomenon of self-harm is yeah and like noah i agree with a little bit more here because he's like i think you guys are jumping to conclusions and like i do mostly agree like i think that's a bold leap from Mm -hmm. you know one thing to another however I appreciate that you have you you can look out for signs in people. Like I think mm-hmm. there's a difference in blindly ignoring and like being kind of um curious, I guess. Again, the whole point is is that they're going about it in such an intrusive and invasive way that 
I think it's fine if you like sense that somebody might be in trouble. There's a difference mm. in what you do with that information or do with that intuition. Mm. Yeah, like you can definitely express concern for somebody. Exactly. In an appropriate way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not in the way that we'll see happen in this episode. Yeah, 100%. Like, <laughs> I honestly, so Kelly, you know, says that she reads an article in the New York Times and they have a pamphlet about it at work. And I really wish there had been one extra line where she was like, I'll bring the pamphlet home tonight so you can read it. Like, yeah. Let's educate ourselves before we jump to conclusions when I've never met her and I'm diagnosing her and you say that she said it was a cat. Exactly. That's a good point. That's my only real opinion <laughs> in this scene is that like if we have a pamphlet, we get the pamphlet. Yeah. Um, so one thing on this scene that I thought was really funny is um, – like, y'all probably both know that I fucking love psychology and I'm really interested in just all of it. It's interesting, people's brains and their behavior and all of that stuff. I just find it fascinating. And that has been true of me since I was old enough to know what mental health is. Anytime in any show, especially in teen television, that there is an episode with this subject matter, I would get so intrigued and fascinated and want to watch it. But I got to say in the first like few minutes of this episode, when you realize that this is a self-harm episode, this is, I think the first time that I was actually like filled with dread. I was like, Oh no, where are we going to go with this one? Yep. Um, but I did go ahead and write down all of my assumptions about, uh, <laughs> About Monica's character just from that first scene, just to see how close I was to how they were going to characterize her. Because there are several different types of archetypes that media like to use to portray people Mm -hmm. who self-harm. And I wanted to share my guess because it was so like, it's not like ha-ha funny, but I did laugh when Kelly jumped in with her assumptions Because they mirrored mine. No way. (laughs) Yes. So I wanted to share my two-second impression of Monica's character um, before, like what I thought before I actually watched the episode. So I said, this is a person who puts a lot of pressure on themselves to be perfect. They get overwhelmed when they make mistakes and internalize those feelings and kind of view it as some deep, irredeemable character flaw. So Donna's overreaction to Monica dropping the clothes confirms that negative pattern of thinking. And so she spirals into negative self-talk, uses pain as either a self-punishment or to shock herself out of that thought spiral and back into the present moment. Um, In addition to that, um, injuring like any site, like any sort of injury, like you stub your toe, whatever, your body produces endorphins to kind of ride you through that pain. Um, And that can become addicting um, because it's like just a rush of brain chemicals that just give you relief. So that's why people continue the behavior. Um, And then, yeah, that's also why Monica is able to immediately project like calm, happy, like healthy people pleaser as soon as the situation is over. Like she's just back and to herself and all of this stuff. 
And so I just thought it was funny when Kelly was like, I bet this person is very self-sacrificing and selfless and all of this other stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. This is the archetype that we're going with here. Yeah. That's fascinating. Well, and I thought it was kind of wild that, yeah, Kelly like brings out this, you know, option of who this person is. And Donna's like, yeah, she's a dream assistant. Yeah. Which is interesting to the point of like, that can show you the difference between a third party's perception of you and your own perception of you. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, Donna's perception is like, she does everything pretty much right. She's wonderful. She's awesome. She does everything right. But then all Monica would focus on is the times that she wasn't perfect and the times Mm -hmm. that she, you know, she would make a smaller thing into a much larger thing and relate it more back to herself rather than chalking it up to just, hey, people make mistakes. That's no big deal. It's all good. Yeah. And it's just like this one really short scene where this – you know, dramatic thing happens in that storyline because then we have to jump back over to the Beverly Beat where Brandon asks Janet if the playpen makes her feel uncomfortable. And she is so emotionally immature about body yes. image and everything. She is just like, I know those are airbrushed ish airbrushed pictures of models. Like I don't have to look at that and feel bad about myself. Yeah. It's like this is this is why sometimes I get frustrated with this show because they'll write a character like Janet and Val for that matter and like give them the, I'm not going to say right as in correct. I just mean right in the moment mm-hmm. things to say. And then they'll go and do stuff with Steve and the stuff that we've seen with Donna and all that. I'm like, guys, wait, hold on. What are we doing? I- it's almost like they can either do caricatures and like exaggerated cartoon characters or they can do super mature, mentally healthy people. No in between. <laughs> yeah. No, I was dying in this scene because, like, yes, they're writing this article specifically about the sex shop. So, like, it it makes sense why Brandon is discussing this at work. But it is yeah. full-on sexual harassment. What is happening here? Like, every single training I've took is, like, do not show porn to your coworkers. <laughs> and if they didn't say it, they'd didn't need to because it's so freaking obvious <laughs> yeah. but they have this conversation and steve is literally like a fly to sugar he God. hears them and is just silently slowly walking over until he's in the conversation and just goes janet it seems like we actually have a lot in common about all of this free sex and sex is great without commitment and she's like it would be if you didn't dump me in the middle of our date bye yeah love it God, I love her so much. She's but best. like, she should not have to deal with this every day. No, she shouldn't. God. And like, I guess continuing on with like the sex stuff, like at David's, he and Val are like making out. David's like fumbling in the sex shop bag. He wants to try various things like oyster oil, <laughs> which sounds horrible. Um, and Val's and she, and he's all like, oh, it'll help you relax and not be so tense. And Val's like, you think I'm tense? Well, I'm about to be. <laughs> I I could hear it. I was like, well, I wasn't tense before, but why do you think I'm tense? And then like in a completely non-sexy way, David then wipes furiously the rest of the oil on the bed. <laughs> and then 
kind of brings out like a foam roller, which is what I'm thinking, except it's not foam. It's hard wood, no pun intended. And it does not look comfortable. And Val <laughs> is like, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. I know. So like that wooden massage thing is a legitimate thing, but it's like yeah. you use it after workouts, right? For like yeah. actual tense muscles. <laughs> and all I could think of in this moment when it's supposed to be a sensual, relaxing massage is <laughs> that episode of Friends when Ross wants to pretend to be Phoebe so that he can give a massage to the hot girl and then her dad shows up so he uses the wooden spoons. Oh my God. Like, because literally David wipes the oil off his hands and goes to get an instrument. So he doesn't have to touch her with the oil. Exactly. And you can totally tell he's just like shoulder blade, shoulder blade, shoulder blade. Like (laughs) no actual, the way she's laying is like, your scapulas are like popped out. So you can't actually get to the muscle. (laughs) It looked so unpleasant. I did kind of love her face this whole time where she's just like, I didn't ask for this. Yeah, she's the best man. Like, I, oh, I love her so much. She just all she wanted to do was bang, and he was just like, "But what about a fifteen-step process first? Yeah, exactly. God, and, and then, then yeah, it's like we have to get into because with David and Val, like at, at least their miscommunication is in a fun way. Like, and by fun, I mean it's like not actually damaging to each other's like morals or ethics or or anything like that it's literally just like assumptions are being made and then they go about solving those assumptions in the wrong way so Mm -hmm. that's what I mean by fun um in a non-fun way we have to go back to the beach apartment and talk about politics schmolitics and ethics and morals so it was oh my gosh I it just makes me so mad that Kelly was like you didn't take a stand on pornography And they just keep arguing back and forth and back and forth and then don't actually have a conversation. I mean, literally, I just wrote that, like, Kelly reads the editorial. She's upset he didn't take a stand on pornography. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. We're not going to talk about it. Like, they just keep having the same fight over and over and over again and then, like, showing up 12 hours later thinking they're not going to fight again. And, like, there's a lot of back and forth here. So I'm – there's no really good way to talk about this episode except keep going back and forth and, and short scene, short scene. Oh my gosh, so, the whiplash. And, yeah, it's whiplash because then we have to go back to the modeling agency and Donna's dressing a model, has to go find measuring tape, goes into this like tackle box worth of stuff and finds a box cutter and just makes a wild assumption here. Okay, but like, and that's this not is a box a modeling- cutter. I know that. I just didn't know what to call it. So I called it a box cutter. Well, so that's the thing. It is like an exacto blade, yes. but it's a craft knife. It's something you would use to, you know, cut something if you needed to use it to fix a tear or like, you know, this is something that would naturally be in a craft box when you're supposed to be having everything as an assistant yes. on a modeling shoot. Like, you know, she does jump to correct conclusions, but that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And it was in public with so many people around. And like, can can I also just say how silly it is that Donna took the cap off of the blade when it was a clear cap and you could see it was a blade? Yeah. And, like, it's the same one from earlier. We didn't need this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, like, 
Donna confronts Monica in front of everyone. The model is standing right over there being like, do I need to get my strap measured? I'm just looking at you two arguing. Yeah. And Monica gets pretty rightfully defensive and is like, you've violated my trust. You went into all my stuff. Why are you doing this? And Donna apologizes, but like, you know, she's not going to let up. Yeah. It's like so beyond that at this point. Yeah. And then we go over to David's house where Val is clearly uncomfortable from what happened last night. David is just like, I guess I'm really bad at massages, but like, do you want some breakfast? And then she finds the edible underwear, (laughs) which he wants her to try on, which like, that's you don't try it on. What's she gonna do? Take it off and put it back on later? Single yeah. use, David. Come on. <laughs> and, and like, it was just, just so awkward. She just wanted to get out of there so bad. And he's like, "Well, no, I'll make you breakfast." And I'm like, "No, the edible underwear is not breakfast, David. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can't have candy for breakfast, David." Yeah. And it was so awkward. And my only side note was that David has nice shoulders. They they put David topless in this episode a lot he must have like been working out lately and just been like i got it i'm gonna stop wearing shirts you can totally see he's like worked on his delts because like that's the part where it's like he he's so skinny that when he does put Mm -hmm. on muscle it's like you can tell what muscles and i'm like the way he was like leaning i was like oh i see that shoulder over there looks nice (laughs) and that's the only compliment we can give right now yep exactly moving on (laughs) yeah well okay so then we got back to the photo shoot where donna and monica have to fix something on the model who is laying there i do not understand why the models are all laying on a construction site like the first one was eating an apple this one's just laying there what does this have to do with anything i don't have a clue and i don't know i don't understand it doesn't make any sense but then of course like during this shoot I guess they're just about done and Donna has to like fix something and the photo Joe asks out the model to the pee pad for that reggae concert that um Monica had mentioned earlier and they overhear and then this really hurts Monica and how like basically she's like how could I expect him to like me I'm not a model she is of course he would like all this kind of stuff yeah and Donna's like, don't say that. You're so beautiful and you have such a kind soul. And Monica's like, that's what you say to not pretty people. Score one for inner beauty. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's a whole thing. And then Donna brings up again. She's like, don't hurt yourself over Joe. It's like, (sighs) like, good intentions, horrible execution. 100%. So bad. That sums up Donna's storyline. And then... We cut away again, and for some reason, like, so Valid, like, rushed out. She left her credit card at David's house. He brings it to Casa Walsh instead of to her, so he runs into Steve, and then they have a conversation that I got very lost in. Me too, because Steve is, like, super awkward about this, like, the fact that he went back to the sex shop alone, so now he feels guilty about wanting to go back and to go back alone and because he doesn't have a girlfriend he's like there's like places like that like he's like mine places like that split the world into two people couples and guys who have nothing better to do on a tuesday night and i'm like okay yeah it doesn't work for me because like that's not the only two groups there are in this world 
and I'm sorry you feel that way, but then they somehow turn this into like, I don't know, it's fun with girlfriends, but then David says that Val is a boss and it's fun to fight with bosses because you get makeup sex, and but like, is it worth the trouble? And is it is it worth that, the trouble when it's Val? Yeah, right. And like also going in with a couple, you think it's fun, but it's really work. I, yeah. I just, let's, but you I didn't go know. in together and you didn't talk to her. It's work because you made it weird. Yes. So all I sum up this scene is weird. Just weird. I don't, I didn't get it. I, anyway. Yeah. And then we go back to the modeling agency again where Monica is treating her arms. Donna barges in and mm-hmm. demands to talk about this. And for some reason, Monica is very forthcoming about her story, which she does not have to be. Like, right. Donna is being real demanding. And then tell me if this seems like this scene got very romantic to you in the blocking because, like, Monica starts talking and Donna comes over and they shoot, like, head on. So Monica's talking and you can see Donna over her shoulder. And Donica's like, Donica, oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, but we know what you're thinking. the ships. The ships write themselves. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even mean to do it. It just happened. But like Donna is rubbing her shoulders. They like Monica explains to her exactly what's going on with herself and then Donna's like, "Don't worry, I get it. I was addicted to pain pills like for 2 weeks, ma'am." Yeah, right? Like uh I but I didn't but get a romantic vibe, but like I get it. I I wish I had taken photos because at the end of their conversation, they were looking at each other and I was like, now kiss. If you kissed, it would make perfect sense. Because <laughs> Donna is telling her that like, looks don't mean anything. It's how you feel and you're worth it. And I was like, kiss, just kiss. Yeah. And it just felt like weirdly romantic. It didn't feel like a random woman you're working with on this one assignment wants to talk to you. It was so touchy-feely. I think that's also part of Donna's performance in that scene, or sorry, Tori Spelling's performance as Donna in that scene, just the way her voice got really low, and I think it was supposed mm-hmm. to be comforting, but it came across as sultry. Yep. Yeah. And maybe I'm telling she you. was trying to make something on the page work, you know, like trying to be less um, aggressive and less like invasive, so maybe she was like, I don't know how to say this, so I'm going to say it this way. Because it's gentler, you know? I don't know. I mean, yeah. but God, like, I would much rather that be the situation than the next scene. And I hated every single thing except for the very last bit of the scene where Val gets home to the Walsh house. Kelly's looking for Brandon. Apparently, Brandon's at the bachelor party and didn't tell Kelly. And they're having it during the day. So that Munce can lie to his fiance about having one in the first place. I was so mad. I like, was like, what is wrong with the boys in this show? And they are not men. They are boys. Yeah. No, I literally wrote, the boys are at a bachelor party. Like, Yes. These are and children. They're, they're so... None of them are worth having. <laughs> like, no. Sorry. Well, and then they somehow get Val and Kelly. Like, you see these beautiful women here having this great conversation with each other who they hate. And 
that is what I loved about this scene <laughs> was the fact that now they're bonding and I'm like, we can get this now. We can have this. <laughs> Cause literally oh like Valerie brings up that David bought all these toys after she told him she wanted more romance. So clearly Val's perception was that, Oh, I asked for a romantic getaway and David took this as we need to have more sex and different sex. And, and I love that. That's the assumption that like, because again, this really, really shows like Val's confused. And I kind of love that. And she's, she even like opened up to Kelly about this because she's so confused. And then she's like, I would have wanted to go together. Like, I have no problem with all this stuff. I just wish she would have clued me in on it. And I love this bonding. Yeah. And I feel like it helps Kelly too. Cause she's like, yeah, I want to share it with him. Like, I don't want him, right. you know, looking at magazines alone because that makes me feel like he wants that and not me, mm-hmm. that I'm not allowed to be part of his fantasy. Again. I want to have the fantasy together. And again, it's like Kelly finally understanding what she's trying to say. She just is uncomfortable talking about it with Brandon, which I think is fine. Like, I, obviously, like you, you wish that wasn't the case, but that clearly shows like, hey, you guys have got some work to do around this vulnerability. And the fact that she's comfortable talking about it to Valerie means that she can get there, right? Like she, as mm-hmm. long as she trusts, again, trust. As long as she trusts Brandon and feels safe with Brandon, she can. T- but it says something that she's safer talking about it with Valerie than she is with her boyfriend. Yeah. And it, I mean, it doesn't help that he has literally just not told her about the bachelor party. Exactly. Because... But then we go to the bachelor party and it's just a bunch of guys in the shutdown pee pad eating chips and dip and drinking beer and complaining about women nonstop. Yeah. Yep. David and Brandon are the worst. Yep. And then one stripper shows up. Yep. One single sex worker that they're all creeping on and being so weird. Yep. Like. And I don't really have anything to say positive about this thing. Except. Did you guys see when Brandon was getting up from the bar, he picked up his beer bottle by sticking his finger in it and lifting (laughs) it. (laughs) I didn't. I'm like. I literally had only negative things to say. I was like, boys keep talking about how bad women are and how they're always in trouble. They basically all shit on women. And then Brandon pulls up the beer with his finger. <laughs> yeah, the like only part. like, floop. That's so weird. I have never hated myself more for looking away from the screen to write something down. <laughs> yeah, I think that's exactly what happened to me too. And it wasn't even something good. It was just. Exactly. The fact that Steve attempted to defend women on account of Janet because he's like, well, some women are really cool. And then Noah goes, isn't she the one you dumped at the reunion? <laughs> exactly. Like, thank you. Oh, it was God. so good. It's the only part I cared about. Well, and yeah, we can breeze past that because I just didn't care about it. And no, we have to go to the beach apartment and Kelly is mad, rightfully so, because she's mm-hmm. like, why didn't you tell me about the bachelor party? And Brandon thinking this is a viable excuse, says, well, I didn't think you would approve. Well, and then he's like, well, it was like a bridal shower. She's like, we don't get strippers at bridal showers, which means you're going to the wrong bridal showers. I've also (laughs) never been to one with a stripper, but whatever. Also, like what he meant to say was bachelorette party, not bridal shower. Yeah, because then he brings up the bachelorette party Kelly did go to with strippers. And she's like, well, I didn't pick that. (laughs) 
It's like, girl, they you both still did it. Suck at arguing. <laughs> They're so bad. They don't have real to- quick. Can we address how they keep bringing up the fact that Dylan had a wedding without mentioning that he's got widowed that same day? Right. Honestly, when they started and they were like, oh, I can't believe Muntz is getting married. First Andrea, now Dylan and this. I was like, please don't loop him in with them. Exactly. Entirely different. One got divorced or is getting divorced and the other one had a dead wife. Literally, his wife got murdered. And they call the end of Andrea's marriage into it, but just gloss over. Yeah. I was so confused. Big it question marks up. floating around my head. Not worth bringing up at all. And then I, this is the part where Brandon is just like, what do you want? Like, what, let's just talk about this. Let's finally talk. And Callie's like, oh, I think I'm being a little harsh because of Jackie and Aaron and now Monica too, who she's never met or talked to. She just heard about this person. So like, do not use her and in your inability to talk to your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And She's like, I just don't know where you stand. And he goes, yeah, you do. You just don't agree with it. And she says, that's right. It's like, Kelly, acknowledge what's happening. Like, both of you have a conversation. But she says, that's right. And he leaves. And that's yeah. it. I know. It's so ridiculous. Like, now that we're getting close to the end of the episode, I almost just kind of want to finish each of these storylines. So, like, after it. he just leaves, then later on, like – they talk again, presumably like a while after. Like I'm thinking this is like a whole day later because we don't even I think see it is nighttime the next time. And it's at the beach apartment and Brandon wants a truce. Like they have no resolution. They just call it a truce. And apparently Kelly read his new editorial editorial. So instead of literally hearing a conversation from Brandon, he she basically reads his diary and she thought it was terrific. He says he has a firm grasp on fantasy versus reality, and there's nothing like the real thing. And so then Kelly solves it by buying a Kama Sutra kit and wanting them to experiment together at the end. Which, okay, let's talk about how the entire other sex storylines are about how the couples don't do these things together. Steve feels yes. bad that he's not doing this with a girlfriend, and Val and David have this whole miscommunication that they don't talk about until the end of their part. And then Kelly does the exact same thing, but we're supposed to be cool with it because Brandon wants to have Kama Sutra sex with her. Right. Which is so, just that he pulls out honey powder and puts it on her lip. Like, he should have at least put the honey powder on her neck or something. Yeah, that made me uncomfortable. And only because I'm like, what is that? What is that? What is that? <laughs> okay. When he put it on his fingers and when I wonder how this tastes and holds them up to her mouth, I was like, that is too sexual for 90210. <laughs> She's going to suck his fingers. <laughs> Yeah, I got nervous and because not only because of the action, but because I'm like, what actually is that? Like, what? what? (laughs) I'll say like the only, I guess, benefit of the doubt I will give this scene is that Kelly brought it up to him in a conversation, not while they were like mid making out in a bed. That's true. Yeah, that's true. No, No, I I appreciate that. I appreciate that there was actual like more, a little bit more conversation and like actual interacting with each other before the actual sex (laughs) and yeah like if you jump through some hoops and do a cartwheel it's kind of a compromise (laughs) sort of a truce I don't know (laughs) well that's actually a really good segue into talking about the next scene chronologically back and like 
talking about the next couple because you've got Val and David where now Val has done the thing David did where she went and bought a bunch of stuff and reveals it in the middle of sex. Like she went into the bathroom to put on lingerie and comes out and David is rightfully ensorcelled. Like, I mean, damn girl. Weren't okay. we all? <laughs> like, oh my God. Literally, I wrote, whoa, in all caps. Like, I felt like a Lawrence brother. Just, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, she pulls out a bag and it's got a leash, a tickle whip, and body glitter, which, by the way, what is glow-in-the-dark body glitter doing for sex? Like, that's just going to cause scratches. Yeah. I don't know, but I want it. I but mean, like, yes. <laughs> but what is the point of it? Like, is it edible or is it just for show? Like, Ooh, what if you sprinkle it, like, on stuff and then turn the lights off? <laughs> <laughs> you just, like, what, what stuff, Mary? Yeah, what stuff? <laughs> Also, I don't know all the parts. When I think of body glitter, all I can think of is the Bath and Body Works glit- roll-on glitter. Art use. stuff. Yeah. So I can't take that seriously, but it's <laughs> apparently neither can David. He freaks out. He's like, you know what? Actually, I have a really early day tomorrow, and this is all very exotic. And he I literally like, calls I, it exotic. I cannot believe he turned her down in any capacity. I like okay. I do not look like she does in lingerie. I think we can no. all accept that. I don't have those tits, first of all. <laughs> but if I came out in that and John turned me down, like, no, I would be like, we have to talk about this, or I'm going to lose my mind. Exactly. Like my mind would go into such a tailspin. And yeah, a hundred percent. I do not look like that. But I know, regardless of the conversation or what accessories are brought into the table all I believe our men need is just (laughs) lingerie and then it's on it doesn't even matter like everything is just thrown to the side for just a moment so that we can focus on the fact that there's lingerie involved (laughs) yeah like I don't understand why David was like that's all exotic but I have an early day tomorrow so take that off and get in bed I have to go work on a jingle not tickle like (laughs) His next jingle is about tickling. He can't get it out of his head. (laughs) Okay, but then I actually love the final scene that kind of wraps it all together for them because they do Mm -hmm. go on their little weekend getaway, which was basically just like hiking up, like, I forget what it was, but where they said it was, but it was like close by. It was a driving trip. And Mm -hmm. I love that David's like, look, I blew it. Like they kind of talk at the same time, but then David's like, I blew it with the whole sex shop thing. And Val's just like, I just wish you would have talked to me about it. And it is so cute. Like, this conversation was perfect, in my opinion. Like, they were both like, I messed up. We should have just talked. Also, like, you thought I was looking at a, you thought I was unhappy with the way things are. I was just looking at my horoscope. I'm an Aries. (laughs) And here's where I will pause and ask, is that does that sound right for Val? Is that how? Because I always thought she was a Leo. I wrote, of course, she's an Aries. <laughs> okay. So it does make sense. <laughs> is the Aries the one where it's like a water sign, but not really a water sign? I'll have to look or, that up. Okay. Because like the, right, I feel like back. there's one water sign that like isn't. Anyway, I know nothing about um, this kind of stuff. So I just wanted mostly to know if this was accurate for her character. 
Oh, yeah, she is a fire sign, and Leo is also a fire sign, and so is Sagittarius. Yeah. So, okay. honestly, I could pin her as any of those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Same. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, yeah, they both thought the other was unhappy. They apologize, and they do it in nature, which is fine, but, like, so the, apology, the apology and the acknowledgement of the other's feelings was what I was focusing on. That's all that matters. Um, I don't think we really have to talk about Steve because I already mentioned the bagel that he brings in mm-hmm. with ulterior motives. And the only other thing that happens in that is that Steve mentions he gave more ad space to the stripper that was at the bachelor party so that she would be free. And then Brandon just goes, stop doing that. We have bills yeah. to pay. Exactly. That's that's it. That's the only other thing that happens with Steve. So all that's left is saint donna and her beautiful fashion catalog and i will say like i really appreciated her take here because she's like i'm worried about the message that this is sending to people who are not models and Mm -hmm. she's like women are different like women are are of all different shapes and sizes and looks and, and all this kind of stuff and this is her opportunity to make a difference and i'm like okay this i can get behind like because this is has nothing to I mean it does have a little to do with the self-harm stuff but it has more to do with how people perceive themselves when looking at other things and that I'm all for like I love the fact that this is the stance that she ended up taking on Mm -hmm. the whole of it rather than being like I need to be an advocate for la 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 or whatever it was Mm -hmm. yeah I do appreciate that this is what she took away from it because like she has this whole conversation with Noah over breakfast because Noah's like, oh, I saw the the early prints for the catalog. It's going to look beautiful. But Donna wants to redo it. And what happens is she calls Monica back in who's very confused. She's like, I thought we were done and that we're good to go. Mm-hmm. But Donna's like, I was wrong not only to pressure you and make you deal with something that you aren't ready to deal with, but I also need to reshoot this catalog and I would love if you would be one of my models. Yeah. And – also, I like that too. Like, I'm, I don't have a problem with that. I Mm-mm. would have appreciated, again, like, asking if she was even interested in that. Yeah. But that's besides the point. Like, maybe this was supposed to be her day off, so she, like, went home and, like, had a glass of wine last night, and now she's just like, oh, my God, I have to deal with you. Right. I'm all also really all, surprised that Monica came in after everything too. that Donna's been doing. Me too. I mean, I'm glad you did because, like, this is – she clearly is excited about it but mm-hmm. so all in all like it ended fine it just like we've said good intentions bad execution and that was this episode yeah. <laughs> that was this episode so that being said do you have a quote of the week and is it in beverly hills we don't joke about plastic surgery because i think <laughs> that's all i wrote down it's either that or just all of janet's dunking on steve <laughs> It was so good. All of everyone's dunking on Steve because the only other quote I wrote was Noah being like, isn't she the one you dumped at the reunion? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's got to be Janet dunking on Steve. What about you, Mary? You know, I think I'm going to have to give the moment to Janet dunking on Steve. Like, I love it so much. Like when he like brought her a muffin or a bagel or whatever, he's just like, Here's the stuff. I appreciate you. Hey, let's date again. Or like, let's go out or bang unconnectedly or however you'd say that 
uncommittedly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, no thanks. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and the way she does it is never actually mean. She's just 100% truth-telling the entire time. It's like, I'm not going to be a jerk to you, but I am going to tell it like it is. So that's me. <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck off, but polite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I loved it. that She was like, I like working here. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I want to keep my job. So no thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, she was just like, all I have to do is get mad at you guys and you give me more benefits. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So this was a lot. Um, what is next week's episode? So next week we have season eight, episode 29, Ricochet. Like that just doesn't sound any better because once again, I can't think of what that would be. It's going to yeah. be something just off the wall it's gonna ricochet off the i don't know i got nothing <laughs> we shall see i think off the wall probably is gonna cover it yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> seeing has how we've been going in the last we're, couple episodes we're so close we are so close to the finale we can do it so yeah we'll uh we'll see what ricochets next week and until then you can follow us on instagram at back to podcast you can also shoot us over your emails if with anything you want to say if you've got questions comments thoughts on anything we've talked about just let us know at back to podcast at gmail.com that's b-a-c-k-t-o podcast at gmail.com and don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate review subscribe share it with all your friends and family all that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community and give y'all a better product. And if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm going to go have a rocky road Sunday with Kelly Taylor and Aaron. I'm going to go do more research on if Valerie really is an Aries. I'm going to go put sad faces on a picket sign. Bye. Bye. See ya.